WENJ, WENJHD, Millville Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It's a Chappelle Friday with you here on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. The first, uh, the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app is brought to you by First Bank of Seattle. They're Cape May County's lending expert banking for your everyday life. At First Bank of Seattle, find out how First Bank of Seattle can simplify your banking needs, your partner since 1888. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Download the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app and take the Sports Bash every where you go. All right, let's get into it. Sal Palantonio, ESPN's national NFL reporter here on the Sports Bash Live. Follow him on Instagram at Sal Pal ESPN. And he joins me now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Sal, how you doing, man, man? Mike, I wanted to join the Mike Gill Show, the fabulous Mike Gill Show for a Sal Pal Friday on Memorial Day weekend to celebrate the effort of the Mike Gill show to get the beaches in the Jersey Shore open in New Jersey in time for Memorial Day, and you did it. Congratulations. Shake of the hands. Yes, we did. We got the beaches. It looks like the beaches. The boardwalks were open all last weekend. Uh, hopefully, uh, Monday goes very smooth, and we have a nice Memorial Day weekend here. And, and uh, I, I sent him the tapes of us each week that you were on. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, let's get into a little bit of this Philadelphia Eagles team because I understand you texted one Doug Peterson this week after he had a Zoom press conference, which is one uh, a little bit wonky in itself that they do in these press conferences the way we have to do it, but that's the way the world right now. However, what is one challenge that Doug is facing through this offseason that he shared with you? Right, so I tried to dig a little deeper than the questions that were asked of him during the Zoom press conference because I'm very interested in the dynamic in his quarterback room because he decided to pick Jalen Hurts in the second round with the 53rd pick and decided to introduce a completely new element to his offense at a time when it's going to be really, really tough to do that. Let's be real about it. And I said, what are the cha- Texas and what are the challenges? How have you excuse me, how have you challenged your quarterback room to communicate during this time to make sure that they have open lines of communication? And he said, Well, it's hard to do when it's not face to face. When you have to do it over a computer screen, it's very, very difficult. And uh, I wasn't expecting that answer, Mike. Um I I really wasn't, but you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm just you know dense or something because Doug keeps it real with me pretty much all the time, and if he's having a problem, he'll let me know about it, and he often uses me as a way to communicate his difficulties or challenges, and it's pretty clear that he's a little, you know, he's a little tired. That maybe the team is a little tired of that. Maybe maybe that's the reason yeah. why he reached out to Phil Jackson to get another voice uh, on some of these virtual meetings. Yeah, and uh, at the end he said you can't build chemistry that way. And I guess that is one of the fears is that trying to build chemistry with a lot of new faces is going to be difficult for teams through a computer screen. Right. And for him to admit that to me 
was interesting and um, telling and a clear window into the frustration that he and the team is feeling. And I'm sure it's the frustration that all these teams are feeling right now. Yeah, and you got some teams, though, Sal, Tampa, that the state of Florida, you're allowed to do stuff. They got quarterback and receivers out there throwing the ball around. Brady's learning, and you can't do that here in Philly right now. No, how about that, Mike? You know, a clear advantage for Tom Brady to get him and his teammates together that, you know, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts can't do it. The Philadelphia Eagles, clear advantage, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, he's getting a chance to jumpstart his relationship with these guys. And while Carson Wentz has been an Eagle, how many new receivers is he going to try to team up with? I mean, you got Rager, you got Hightower, you got Watkins, you got Goodwin. You're trying to get reacquainted with Deshaun Jackson, who you didn't have a lot of time with last year. I, I think you're right. I think it's a clear advantage if you can get out there and start chucking it around with these guys. No, no, you know, for, for years and years and years, you and I would make fun of spring practices and mini camps and OTAs. But, you know, they wouldn't have them if they weren't beneficial. I actually, yeah, I actually like the, the, the opportunity because what I always said, Sal, is they might not mean a lot to uh, maybe making a team or getting an opportunity or, or feeling a guy out, but you could open up a coach's eyes who wasn't expecting a lot from you, and then he will watch you close, closer when training camp comes around, maybe because of something you did in these mini camps. He might say, you know what? That guy did something that I want to take a closer look at him as we get down the road. And now a guy like Jalen Hurts, who you mentioned on Instagram, which was the fact that, you know, he doesn't get a chance to get out there and they want to be more dynamic on offense and they want to be adding some things. They Maybe they can't put as much in as they wanted to because they don't have as much time for him to learn all these other positions. By the way, I don't know if you saw my Instagram post from this morning. I found a photograph, photograph was sent to me, of Major League Baseball players playing with masks on during the pandemic of 1919. Really? It's on my Instagram right now. It's been retweeted everywhere, so check it out. Tweet it out, Mike. You'll, you'll, you'll see it. If you go on now, in the time of the pandemic, Major League Baseball, right after World War One, decided to play... Huh. Player, you can see a you can see a batter, a hitter, a catcher, an umpire, and if you look closely in the background, you can see fans wearing masks. Crazy. That's uh, yeah. At Sal Pal ESPN on Instagram, I'm gonna uh, have to pull that up here when we're uh, finished chatting. But you know that that is something that this is all happening as the Eagles have hurts in their quarterback room, and they're trying to add to their system while trying to find ways to become more dynamic, more creative. And that's all assuming that that's what they brought him in here to kind of do. But you're putting a lot on his plate. And I saw Adam Thielen mention that if he didn't have the mini camps, that he probably would not have made the team as an undrafted rookie free agent because he just wouldn't have got the time, as Doug says, the grass time. Yeah, and and timing is so important in today's NFL because there's so much speed on the field, Michael. And when you don't have timing, you can't hit those tight windows that close so quickly because players are so fast. Sal, I think um, one thing that's interesting, too, Sal Pal Friday here on the Sports Bash uh, at Sal Pal ESPN. Actually, I see that picture right now. The uh, batter is a lefty. He's got the uh, mask on. I actually saw Julio Franco. Did you see this picture? Julio Franco 
taking swings as a 61-year-old in the KBO, uh, against a KBO pitcher, and he had the mask on while he was up to bat the other day. It was just batting practice. But a 61-year-old Julio Franco still swinging the bat like uh, he was in his prime. It was pretty crazy. When I saw him with the mask, I thought that was interesting. Now I'm seeing this picture on your Instagram of the of the batter's uh, with the mask on, but uh, one of the things I want to ask when, you: when when Julio Franco goes, can somebody please cryogenically freeze right. his entire <laughs> DNA, his entire body, and just you know dole it out judiciously to those people who want to play sports right. at a professional level? Because that guy is unbelievable. I think when you when he does go, you you'll find that he was some kind of robo guy. I mean, he'll be, he's, 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 he's going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, in his movies. I mean, he, that's, there's going to be part body parts of his that will be, have been put together from some other alien, alien being. Absolutely. He, what a story he was uh, playing 51 years old. He was playing, I think uh, with the Atlanta Braves. So at this point is, you know, we keep hearing like Carlos Hyde, Devonta Freeman, do you anticipate them bringing in a veteran running back uh, at this, you know, now? Or are they just going to kind of wait it out till they get to camp and see what happens? Right. Absolutely. I think that they're going to bring in a veteran back, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I'm not in favor of Shady McCoy. I'm not sure how much Shady has left, but Freeman, for sure, 100%. Uh, Hyde, I don't know. I got to check it out. I got to see what he's got. I mean, Shady could not get on the field at the end uh, for for Big Red last year in Kansas City. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure about Shady, and I'm not sure about Hyde, but I'm definitely sure about Freeman. I think he can he can definitely help this football team. And and Michael, not for nothing, before the draft, you and I talked about them drafting a running back in this draft. Mm-hmm. Are you sure about Miles Sanders being the guy? I mean, he's. Uh been out there actively on social media i mean can he be a guy who is the the main back in an offense we feel comfortable with that you know he got hurt at the end of the year uh i liked his play i thought he could have been in a rookie of the year but you know he, he did get hurt he also uh was a guy early on the season who had some trouble kind of grasping the offense i guess and they couldn't use him i mean really he mentioned it in an interview this week. He said when uh, Jordan Howard got hurt, he the switch just went on. He was given the opportunity, and he just attacked it. But he was not really very a big part of that offense early on. So I'm not saying that there's questions whether he can be the main guy, but I certainly don't think you just hand it to him and not have any plan B in the event that, as you just mentioned, he gets hurt or maybe he isn't the guy that you thought he was. We, we've got very limited snaps with him. Yeah, and you can always, you know, count on so much from Boston Scott. Although, yeah, Boston Scott played a great, great role uh, in the offense down the stretch last year. So, he definitely did. He 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 definitely did. I know they're talking about Rieger uh, being able to play some of the Darren Sproles role, but you know he's more of a wide receiver. He's not built like Sproles. He's not built like Scott. That's for sure. You know, the thing is, you're right. You, you, Especially now that you know you're going to go to a longer schedule, you're, you're going to have uh, a longer season. You, you, you just don't honestly. Let's call it for what it is, Michael. In a time of a pandemic, if you lose a key player, you lose them for 14 weeks minimum. I'm excuse me, 14 days minimum, mm-hmm. right? 
Well, this whole thing, uh, and, and Doug did say, and I know uh, most of the NFL is operating, that they're planning on training camp going as is. So uh, I guess that's their yep. thought process. But as you mentioned, and we just talked about, some states are open, some aren't. Some players are already out there. The Eagles are not one of them. And it would be nice to be able to see Jalen Hurts out there, Jalen Rieger out there, because those two guys could be huge additions to this offense. Yep, absolutely. And, but, you know, and the, as, the, as the NFL said uh, a week ago, he said, we, you know, we, we anticipate there are going to be cases of COVID-19 during the season. And we will have to, uh, uh, we will uh, obviously test and we will determine and we will isolate and treat. Uh, but we don't anticipate shutting down a team and or the season if there are a few cases of COVID-19, not, 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 not by a long shot. So they, they're anticipating that they are going to have cases. And so when you have that, you, you have to have backup plans and contingency plans, especially for key components of your football team. Football has always been a game of attrition, and now you have this added element of the coronavirus. Uh, he's Sal Palantonio at uh, Sal Pal ESPN on Instagram. Check out his uh, IG and follow him there for the latest on the Eagles and the offseason and the NFL and everything that's happening. Uh, that picture we got, we'll tweet that out as well uh, at 973 ESPN on Twitter. It's a Memorial Day weekend. And uh, yes. thank you for your, your service, Sal. Is on the, your favorite veteran is on the phone with you. So thank that's, you. That is right. I. I, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't serve in any war. Uh, I was lucky. I never had a, a shot fired at me in anger. But, uh, you know, uh, Memorial Day is very, very important to all veterans and to all Americans. And uh, just remember it, say a prayer, participate as much as you can in the events this weekend in a safe and healthy manner. But to me, this is one of the most important days uh, on the calendar on Monday is Memorial Day for everybody. And, I, and I'm kind of sorry that I'm going to miss, because I never miss, the Ocean City, New Jersey Memorial Day commemoration, uh, because that, to me, is par excellence. They're, they're, they do such a great, great job uh, at, in Ocean City. In fact, all over South Jersey, all the towns all over South Jersey do such a great job on Memorial Day because there's so many veterans in South Jersey. Well, Sal, we always appreciate it. And, uh, yes, uh, be safe this weekend, everybody, and uh, observe the day. Sal Palantonio here on the Sports Best. Thank you, Sal. Michael, you're the best. Thank you for having me on your show, and uh, we'll talk soon. Let's stay in touch. You know, even though the facility's closed, you can count on me because I'm getting those texts from Doug for a little behind-the-scenes look into what's going on with your football team. I'll keep my emails open, pal. You got it, brother. All right, Sal Pal Antonio here on a Sal Pal Friday. 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle. When we come back, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. He's got an interesting plan. 0973. That's 609-403-0973. Sports Pass brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Black Kia, Black Horse Bike, EHT, Mike Hill, Hunter Brody. We are live on a Friday as we get you ready for Memorial Day weekend. Tonight, it's our top five at five, the five day trips that we want to take once everything's back to normal here. Also, it's National Craft Distillery Day. Text in the craft beers that we should try this weekend. I have a list at 97.3ESPN.com.
All right, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City has an interesting article today that is generating a lot of buzz around the high school sports community. He suggests that possibly the football and baseball season should flip from spring to fall and fall to spring. And a lot of people commenting on it. And we're going to bring Mike in to kind of explain a little bit more. And I'm sure there will be questions from people about this. But, Mike, obviously everybody is trying to come up with uh, something, ways to get back on the board. Heck, we don't even know if there's going to be school in the fall, let alone a season. But why would flipping baseball and football possibly make a lot of sense? Well, uh, what everybody wants is high school sports back as quickly as possible. And if you just think logically about it, and if you look at some of the guidelines the National uh, High School Sports Federation um, put out this week for a return to sports, uh, the toughest sport to bring back is going to be football. Uh, you know, there's no social distancing and blocking or tackling. Uh, it has the biggest rosters. It's logistically probably the toughest sport to bring back. So my point is, why try to bring that sport back first? You know, bring back, uh, you know, flip it with baseball, uh, put baseball in the fall. Baseball, by the nature of the game, lends itself to social distancing. People have their own bats, gloves, helmets. You can social distance in dugouts. Uh, fans can social distance also. Uh, so why do the hardest thing first? Why not do the easiest thing first? and give football more time to get back and play it in the spring. Now, would it just be, under your thought process here, just those two sports, or would you do the entire fall and the entire spring list of sports and flip them? Well, I mean, I went big picture here with the, with the big sports, football and basketball, uh, football and baseball, rather, and it's been my, you know, in, in the 20-something years that I've covered high school sports, uh, football is the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, once football gets solved, everything else sort of falls in the line. So I could certainly see a scenario, and I've heard scenarios talk about people in the fall just bring back the sports that, you know, kind of lend themselves to social distancing, tennis, golf, track and field, cross country, bring those back in the fall and put the other sports off until the spring. So I could certainly see a scenario where if you wanted to flip you know, the spring and the fall seasons, you could certainly do it. I mean, the toughest sport to bring back are, are football, wrestling, and probably boys lacrosse. Boys lacrosse is a spring sport, so maybe that's one little hang-up there. But, you know, I could certainly – the most important thing, I think, and, and sort of the point of this article that I tried to make, too, was, hey, we have to stay open to anything. We can't say – if we want sports to come back, we can't say, well, we didn't do this, you know, two years ago – we got to be open to all sorts of possibilities. So I would certainly be, you know, encourage people to think about, you know, um, you know, flip-flopping sports, flip-flopping seasons, making different arrangements, anything to get us to the goal of having high school sports back as quickly as possible. I'm definitely very intrigued. I guess where I'm finding a hard time is what happens the following year? Because if you do spring football, is it fall football as well? Right. Well, that's, you know, there's no perfect solutions here, right? And, and uh, you know, obviously you're going to want to go back to a situation where you play football in the fall. And, and it, it is an argument. Say, hey, my football season ends in May. Am I playing again in August? Maybe you start the next season, you know, in the middle of September. Uh, maybe you cut down on the amount of games you play. Maybe you only play 
seven or eight regular season games for two seasons. There's a bunch of logistical reasons that I think need to be worked out. But I think when you look at it and you look at kind of where we are as a society and, and how people feel today, and who knows where we'll be two months from now, three months from now, who knows where we'll be, you know, this is a Friday before Memorial Day, who knows where we'll be Friday before Labor Day. But right now, I think, you know, football is the toughest sport to bring back and to bring that back first, uh, you know, to have high school games before even the NFL starts, before the NFL comes back, you know, and to me, it's kind of a daunting task. So why not give yourself more time and push that sport off to the spring? But you're right, there's logistical questions. But again, that's why I get back to, we got to open our eyes out to new possibilities, new ways of thinking, and, and logistics, I'm convinced, can be worked out. Right, and then I guess uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City is with us uh, discussing his uh, thought to flip the football and baseball high school seasons in the fall. The one thing with baseball is uh, how much into November can you really go? And then, of course, the daylight problem that you might run into is there as well. I mean, I coach baseball and I prefer fall baseball weather. I think if you talk to a lot of the high school baseball coaches, they like the fall weather than they do the spring weather. But you you probably only have really September and October to get a real – you only get two months to get games in. Yeah, a number of people kind of texted me, and that was a big issue. And, and I've heard, you know, well, you could start games at 3 o'clock. You could – limit games to five innings maybe. You you can take advantage of the weekend, Saturday and Sundays. You can play double hitters on Saturdays. You can play double hitters on Sundays. Uh, I agree with you with the weather. I think the weather, especially, you know, where we live on the Jersey Shore in September, October, and November is much better than it is in, in you know, March, April, and May, and even into June. So I think you can get away with possibly to the middle of November. But, again, those are some of those logistic issues. Uh, you know, I've heard some ADs were texting me or emailing me. Yeah, we could do it. We could have five inning games. You could play a double hitter on a Saturday. You could play a double hitter on a Sunday. Uh, you could try to get some games in, a lot more games in in September and October. Again, instead of playing 26 games, maybe you play 20 regular season games. You cut down on the amount of games. Uh, again, I think the logistics. If if you um, you know commit to the concept, the logistics can be worked out. Yeah, I think the interesting you know I, I bet you if you ask a lot of high school baseball coaches, they wouldn't mind even having a fall season in addition to the spring, or just moving the spring to the fall uh, and and having baseball be a fall sport because of the way the weather is. But I guess how would it would it would certainly unless universally everybody did it, it might affect college you know recruiting. Yeah, that, that's a big question. That's another big question, right? But, uh, you know, but we don't know what sort of situation colleges are going to be in. Is college football going to be played in the fall, or is that going to move to the spring? And, and, uh, and actually, if you think about it, for high school football in the spring, that's a time a lot of uh, these high school kids, uh, you know, get to uh, work out. Uh, I think the NGSAA just changed rules where college coaches can watch high school kids now go through individual workouts in the spring. And uh, in a lot of other states, there is a two- to three-week sort of spring football period where uh, colleges are able to go in and, and look at high school talent, and that usually ends with a game. Uh, so a lot of other states do have spring football, although not for, you know, a, a full season. So, uh, again, the recruiting thing is, is an issue, but, you know, it'll have benefits. It'll have negative impact also. What kind of feedback do you have from football coaches, baseball coaches? 
Uh, a lot of people seem to be open to the idea. A, a number of people are kind of saying it wouldn't work or this or that. You have your traditionalists out there that, you know, football in the fall, baseball in the spring. Uh, but I think, I think people kind of realize the situation we're in now, everything has to kind of be put on the table if, if you want to have high school sports this fall. And, and things aren't going to be the way they were, you know, last year or, or two years ago. So everything kind of has to be on the table. And I think what concerns a lot of people, a lot of the issues, you know, that you guys are raising, the logistical issues. Well, how do we get around this? How do we get around that? But a lot of people are kind of, you know, open to the idea. And then you have your traditionalist who, and, and hey, you know, I, I'd love nothing more than, to, you know, the Friday before Labor Day have start a full high school football season and, and you know, and have packed gyms this winter and, and baseball in the spring. You know, but but who knows if we're going to be in position to do that? And I just think the most important thing is to get high school sports back in some form and do whatever we can, not to have a spring like we just had, where nothing happened. Something's got to happen this fall, and we got to be willing to do whatever we can and make whatever adjustments we need to make to make that happen. We'll end it like that, Mike McGarry at AC Press McGarry, and uh, you can read his full article at the uh, Press of Atlantic City, pressofac.com, on his idea to flip the two seasons football and baseball and uh, hopefully have some sort of season in the fall hey we don't even know if the students are going to be back come september that's another thing we'll have to keep an eye on mike enjoy the weekend man you two guys i'll see you guys down the road uh mike mcgarry like all guests of here appeared via the boardwalk honda hotline now like you said we don't have all the answers there's not all the answers in there it's just something to say hey if it's going to get the football players a little safer, why not push them back a couple of months to make it even more safe? And who knows? Maybe by the time May, April, or May of next year come around, the world could be a completely different place and maybe somewhat, quote-unquote, normal again. I think you made a good point, though, about bringing back some other sports first. You know, like if you can get back some of these other teams and some of these other programs first, do that, and then you'll you'll find a way to implement football where it fits best. By the way, real quick, uh, some news from John Heyman eight minutes ago. The Phillies are one of the teams expected to conduct a spring training at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. So instead of going back to Florida to do spring training, they are going to hold their spring training workouts at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. We'll have to see when all that is going to start going. Clubs and players are in discussion regarding health protocols. Apparently has been, quote, promising. Both sides have the same goal, a safe environment for players. The economic part of the talk will be harder, and it is widely acknowledged that the first proposal is thought to be coming within days here. That's John Heyman tweeting just moments ago. Sports Bash is live. When we come back, we got the road lines on the other side. That's next. This is the Sports Bash. Don't forget the NFM. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN on a Friday. You know, typically on a Friday right now is when the Garden State Parkway, Lang City Expressway, are bumper to bumper. Do you think the traffic right now is similar to a Memorial Day Friday? I, I we have no idea. I mean, we're inside here, whatever. But do you think the traffic is is bad out there? What do you think? I would say it's still probably a little bad, but nowhere even close to what it normally is. 
the weather too. I mean, if it was nice and sunny, I would say absolutely. So I think it's more, it's probably not as bad because of the weather more so than it is because of COVID-19. Yeah, I'm wondering what the, because right now, normally you're like in the height of bumper to bumper traffic coming down the shore. By the way, that guy from Collingswood texted in and said he was down here working. Ah, he wasn't down here being a hypocrite. He was working. <laughs> That's fair. That's, That's fair. fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. But I hate that traffic. That is the worst. I, don't I mean, under- it, it's the worst. I don't understand how people do it every weekend. I just don't understand. Like, I get it. It's cool down here. I couldn't imagine sitting in that every weekend. When I used to do the show up in Philly on Saturdays, I would drive up to Philly and just watch the people. The exits would be, I'd say, three to 400 cars long waiting to get off one exit. I'm thinking... I'm just not coming down here. It's just not cool enough down here to wait in line. This place is not cool enough. I'm sorry. It's not cool enough to wait in line that long to get down here. It's just not that cool of a place that I'm waiting like these people do. If I wanted to go down that badly, I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and shoot down. If, If I wanted to that badly, I mean, I am dying to go down. There's no way I'm sitting in that bumper to bumper if my alternative is, hey, wake up early, no one's on the road, get your Wawa coffee, bang, get down there. I mean, that's the way to do it if you are dying to get down to the shore to that level. I, I don't understand. I never will. I know I like where we live. I, I appreciate the people that want to come down here and enjoy it. I could not imagine sitting in traffic that long every single weekend to come to Margate. Are you a beach guy? No. Like, are you? No? You're anti-beach? Not anti. I just... Just, I grew up on the beach. I think I beached myself out. That's possible. I was the I, guy. I, I'm a six, seven, eight hour beach guy. Like really? I'll be there all day. Football. No. We talked about this. Saw throwing sauce, chucking sauce, getting in the water all day. Yeah. See, I was growing up, and I was the guy that was on the beach from ten o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. You had to drag me off, and I think I just lost. And then you know, it's got to the point where it's just so crowded anymore, and it's just yeah. I, I'm a pool guy. I like I'll hang out the pool. I will go in the water and never get out. I'll hang out in the pool all day. That's fair. I I will say, if I go somewhere and I'm on a week vacation, I do get tired out of being on the beach from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. by maybe day four or so. So, you know, you multiply that by being on the beach your whole entire life. Well, I I can understand how it gets a little boring. Not to mention, not to mention, um, now as I'm older, (laughs) that sun does a does its number on you if you're hanging out on the beach all day and you want to try to make it out later on that night you have to pick one or the other am i going beach or am i going out at night when I, yeah when you're younger you can get away with yeah going all day then you take a little snooze you wake up and you attack it all over again or if you're one of the guys that can just go all through i mean i've seen plenty of those and i've had my fair share of moments i used no to be able I can to do that now i can't but. do it now i can't be i have to pick one or the other like when i go to philly spring training it's a day event. You were not out at night. By 8 o'clock, that day is shut off. But I like day boozing way more. Like, I, there's nothing better than being by the pool 11 a.m. And then, you know, you might need to take that snooze around 5. But, but then you're done. I can't go nightlife after that. No doubt. I mean, it's definitely a day. Experience. Like, when you're in Florida, you're hanging out. You're down at the Phillies game. It's a day. The game's around 4. You're done. You can't re-rally and get yourself ready back to go at 8 o'clock at night. It's just not happening at 43 years old. I'm telling you, man. 
I can't do it at 25, Gil. I mean, that's where my body's at. It's defeated. You got old early, buddy. I did, but you know what? I'm not mad about it. All right, time for the broad lines. What do we got today? All right, we're going to start off with a little sad news. I hate to do this, but it is big news in the sports world, and I'm not going to lie. I don't have an insane amount of knowledge on what he did throughout his NBA tenure, but longtime jazz coach Jerry Sloan passes away at age 78. Your thoughts? Uh, Jerry Sloan, I mean, was during those Utah runs against the Bulls. I mean, he... He was essentially so entrenched as the Jazz coach. He was there for a century. I feel like Jerry Sloan's still the coach of the Jazz. Like, that's how long it felt like Jerry Sloan was there. When I saw that today, you're right. A piece of your childhood, my childhood, was like, wow, Jerry Sloan. He's 78 years old, but he was just the old, venerable guy that was always on the sideline for the Jazz, those Jazz teams. Like, Utah, like, that's all they had. Salt Lake City are the Jazz, and he was the Jazz. Mitch Lawrence tweeted it out today. When you talk about the toughness of the Jazz, you rank them like this. John Stockton, Carl Malone, and number one, Jerry Sloan. He was yeah. the Utah Jazz for basically 20 years. Yeah, very very sad news. Um, like I said, it, it's not like I grew up in, in that era and watched it all the time. So it maybe doesn't hit me as much as someone who literally watched him coach throughout all those runs. But... It is just very, very sad to see someone pass away. Yeah, I mean, and I, see the reaction. And, and again, it was a guy who was so prominently featured growing up watching the NBA because the Jazz were always relevant. Absolutely. So I thought the next one was kind of right up our alley. And there is an article on ESPN from Kelly Cohen, and it's about the high five. Wow. And, and is it possible? That the coronavirus ruined the high five forever. And she is claiming that it is possible that you will not ever see the high five again. See, anything that has to do with something being never happening again is wrong. Because we will go back to normal and we will go back to knowing what we know. Again, sports are instinctual. And anybody who doesn't realize that never played sports. And I'm not the guy that says... Because you never played, you can't talk about sports. Or because you didn't play, you don't know what you're talking about. But that's something that you wouldn't understand. Sports is instincts. Instincts take over in sports. And it's just your instinct to give someone a high five. So your instincts are never going to just go away of congratulating somebody. Well, here's a quote in here that's pretty interesting. It's hard to stop people from celebrating because if you feel it, you feel it, which is pretty much essentially what you're saying. You don't really think about the consequences of your actions while you're feeling it. People will come up with something. Absolutely. I, I don't think, no, they're not going to come up with something. They're going to give the high five. I mean, that's what they're going to come up with. But there was a point where the high five was probably not as common as we see it today, and then it groomed into that. Now, it sounds silly, but, you know, you see people now doing the elbow touch. And it, and it looks silly, but is it possible one day that that is as common as the high five and we don't look at it as, well, what the hell are you doing touching elbows? It's just normal. No, and he, and by the way, the, the high five has been around way before us and it's still prevalent. It's just a way to say, great job, man, boom, high five. Like it's instinct. You do it as an instinct, not because the high five is cool. It's because it's your instinct. I know that it is, but... 
I wonder if you can train people to have different instincts, right? I mean, at some point, we were trained as humans that the high, I mean, we're cavemen walking around high-fiving each other. Was it somehow progressed through people's development? I don't think so. I think the high-five is just <laughs> instinctual. It's That's what it is. It's a high-five. It's just like when you meet somebody, your instinct is to shake their hand and say, nice to meet you. That's your instinct. It's not. But weren't we trained to have that instinct or no? Maybe. Yeah, it's what I'm saying. We could go down and sit down in a job interview and in, say 15 years, right? Okay, but put it this way. Our generations who that's what we were trained, that's not going to leave us. Maybe, uh, but the five-year-old right now, they're not being trained to shake hands. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So the generations, okay, right. So maybe 15 years isn't the time frame, but just say in 50 years, we go into a job interview. You got your nice clothes on. You stick out your hand. Nice to meet you. I'm Hunter Brody, right? Maybe in 50 years, it's it's an elbow tap instead of the handshake. I guess, but I don't know that I'll be around for that. <laughs> I hope you I'd are. I'd be in my 90s. You'd be drinking your IPAs right on that porch, hey, baby. Sonny, will you go get me? Uh, let me pull up one of these uh, IPAs here that I'm uh, that I'm drinking this weekend. Let me uh, pull one up. Okay, hey, Sonny, will you go get me uh, one of those um, Yeehaw New England style IPAs from Clown Shoes Brewery? Well, here's the thing: you'd have some sort of mobile app where you can hit a button, and that can will shoot right into your mouth. Uh, or something. Of all the beers that I could have picked, the fact that I took Yeehaw from Clown Shoes Brewing Company. That just tells you what? You're a psychopath? or How about Up and Out from 2SP Brewing Company? Now, what's the percentage on that? I don't have the percentage. I can find them for you. I like a little boom sauce from Lord Hobo. Now, does your app tell you the percentage? Yes. Okay. That's. I just wanted to make sure. That's all. That's what I said. I can... Fire up my app and uh, it'll tell me here. Yeah, cloud source is six point five. It's a good number. Yeah, it's a solid area you want to be right in that six point five area. It's funny though, but back in the day when you're kind of learning the the difference in the beers, you don't realize how much of a difference that really is until you're into your you know your fourth Miller Lite compared to your fourth IPA. Oh yeah, that, there's a difference. Yeah, your gene size too. Yeah, <laughs> no one cares about that. That, that expands pretty quickly, too, when you have an IPA against a Miller Lite. By the way, Party Wave from Kane Brewing Company, 7.4. That's out of Ocean, New Jersey. Ooh. Kane, a lot of people like the Kane Head High, but I'm partial to the Party Wave. Okay, well, that sounds good to me. There was a ranking of... The most improved teams when it comes to the NFL, and then there was some that were the worst. So the team that declined the most this offseason, and there is a name on this list that we are not accustomed to seeing, the New England Patriots. Now, the style of article this is has a bunch of different reporters putting their take on it, so you see all the reporters. The fact that I see New England Patriots on this list, the amount of times I do, it's just crazy to see. It's something that I feel like I was never ready to to witness. Wait, so what was the shocking part about it? The, just the fact that the Patriots, I mean, the Patriots are the most declined team from some, from some of these NFL experts. 
I mean, I know it makes sense. They lose Tom Brady, right? But yeah. it's just wild. We are here. The era is over. Yeah. Or okay, I, no, I, you're right. I, okay, that is true, is that your entire lifetime, that's all you know, is that the Patriots have just been good. Like, I do remember a time when the Patriots were not very good. But you're right. For 20 years, you just took for granted that they're the best or they're going to be in the mix that season. Like, AFC East, Patriots. AFC East, Patriots. Like, it's just, that's it. This year, probably not the case. In fact, I would think Buffalo is probably the favorite in that division, no? Yeah, I would say so. Now, here's the thing. Is it possible that they aren't the most declined team and they find a way to win the division? Is it possible that Bill Belichick is such a genius that we all laugh at them, we all literally point our fingers and crack up at Boston fans because they will no longer have the dynasty and they come out and win 12 games this season? Wouldn't shock me, nor would I be surprised if they're 4-12. I literally don't know what to expect from them. Here's my anticipation. They're better than we think they're going to be. Okay, but you might be right, and I think that that's a fair thing to say. But them being better than what we might expect them to be, even if they're nine and seven, which I would say you lose Tom Brady, you go nine and seven or eight and eight. It's not really that bad considering they have that quarterback from Auburn playing, right? I mean, that's essentially what they're doing. But in the eyes of the Bostonians, that would be miserable. Uh, Jared Stidham, by the way, is the uh, quarterback from Auburn you're looking for. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they're 9-7, and seven, that would be a monster disappointment for people up there who in 20 years, when was the last time they had single-digit wins? That's incredible. Even the year they didn't make the playoffs, they won 10 games when they had Matt Castle. <laughs> Just the fact that that came out of your mouth is wild. Right? The things I would do for a run like that. We wouldn't know how to handle it here. Could you imagine? Well, we had a mini run like that. We didn't appreciate it at all. Now, they won Super Bowls. Don't get me wrong. That's a difference. But the Eagles had a run that no other team in football can duplicate to say that they had, other than the Bills going to four Super Bowls, nobody did what the Eagles did. No teams went to five conference championships games in a, in a, in a decade span. I just wonder if there was a different quarterback if that run would have been viewed differently? Well, probably. Just think, if the quarterback of that team was like Rodney Pete, right? He was another quarterback the Eagles had in the early part of the 90s, and they kept losing. Would we think that Rodney Pete stunk? I would say no. No, we'd be like, how did Rodney Pete get to five NFC championship games? Right. Well, flip-flop that with Aaron Rodgers, though. Now, if Aaron Rodgers was on the Eagles and he consistently went to MC Championships but couldn't win, would we look at Aaron Rodgers and say, he can't get the job done, he but, stinks, or... Bro, that's the funny part, is that he hasn't been to five NFC Championship games and we think he's great. I know. That's why I'm That's why I'm mind-blown. Like, I don't like Donovan. And this kind of relates perfectly to what we said yesterday about Gabe Kapler. I know how to separate the two from... He is a good talent, but I don't like him personally. I don't like Donovan McNabb personally. I, I don't. But as a player and what he did for this franchise, I mean, he brought the team to the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Like The point is, the team was relevant, and they were competitive, and they were in the mix 
to win a Super Bowl every year. That's all you can ask for. Five times they were in the NFC Championship game. Other than what the Patriots did, winning the Super Bowls and being the most successful franchise in the history of the NFL, nobody else did what the Eagles did. Nobody else could say, we went to five NFC Championship games. Now I get it. They never won a Super Bowl. But most of these teams didn't even didn't get to the playoffs five times in a decade. The way that we just put it with Aaron Rodgers is so telling. So telling. But here's the thing, though. He has a Super Bowl. Imagine if, like, you win one Super Bowl and then you never make it again, you never make an NFC Championship game again, you're viewed differently than going to, say, eight NFC Championship games, making a couple Super Bowls and never winning. Is that fair, though? No. I mean, look, the whole, if you won a Super Bowl, I saw, um, I forget who it was, tweeted this out about the whole Foles and he won the Super Bowl and Wentz hasn't and McNabb never won a Super Bowl, you know. There's nobody who says that Brad Johnson is the best quarterback in the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He won the Super Bowl there. Joe Flacco is not the greatest quarterback in the history of the, although the Ravens don't have an illustrious history, so maybe he is. But if those guys were your quarterbacks and won Super Bowls, you wouldn't be fighting to say they were the best quarterback that you had, let alone better than the guy that you have. Like, to say Nick Foles is better than Wentz is just asinine because he won a game that Wentz hasn't played in yet. Who's to suggest that Wentz wouldn't have won that game? Exactly, and and that's why I think you don't need... See, the debate about if Carson Wentz is elite or not, you don't need an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And if you wait until you get... Yeah, absolutely. But if you wait until you have an elite quarterback, you're going to be cycling through so many. There's only so many elite quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, you need a good quarterback. You, You need a great quarterback. But elite, like, is Carson Wentz elite? He, he might not be, but you don't need that to win a title. And Nick Foles is the perfect example of that almost. Yeah, but you know what? To be constantly competitive, you need to have a quarterback that is going to be consistent in the regular season. Foles has already shown that he can't be that guy. He's been given the opportunity to be that guy, and he hasn't been either A, to stay healthy, or B, Hasn't been able to get it done. He got the opportunity to start with the Rams. Couldn't get it done. Got the opportunity to be healthy last year with Jacksonville. Couldn't stay healthy. It also matters how you view the word elite. Because I don't just throw people in the elite category. Hey, so anybody it who listens down to how you view it. Anyone who listens to this show over the years knows that I am one of the more difficult graders when it comes to elite, a Hall of Fame. That's why we created the Sports Bash Hall of Fame, because I'm only putting the elites of the elites in. I'm not putting some Jamoke into the Hall of Fame just because. I couldn't agree with you more. When we come back, it's football at four. Andrew DeCecco is in.